From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining. It's a show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're going to continue highlighting Mississippi farms this summer, so this morning we're welcoming Van and Dorothy Killen to the table from Two Dog Farms in Flora. They run an organically inspired farm and are keeping local plates full of fresh produce with their community-supported agriculture program. We'll find out the secret to their success and what they prepare in their kitchen after a harvest. And we always want to know what's happening in your kitchen as well, so share your comments and experiences with this morning with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one 672 7464 or send an email to food at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Deep South Dining from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining. It's the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. This summer, we've been highlighting Mississippi farms, and we're going to continue that this morning as we welcome Van and Dorothy Killen from the, to the table from Two Dog Farms in Flora. They run an organic-inspired farm and are keeping local plates full of fresh produce with their community-supported agriculture program. So we'll find out the secret to their success and what they prepare in their kitchen after a harvest. And we always want to know what's happening in your kitchen, so give us a call today. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to food at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Deborah. Hope that you had a good weekend. Good morning, Kevin, and good morning, beautiful Mississippi. I had a fantastic weekend, Kevin. It was a uh, wonderful celebration for me. My baby turned 30 years old uh, oh, this wow. weekend. So happy birthday, baby. Really proud of you. She's a really smart, beautiful young lady. So I'm really grateful um, the only thing I'm disappointed about, Kevin, is I can no longer tell people I'm 30. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she just blew that for me, right? <laughs> the beauty of having kids, they just ruin your life. I don't even understand that. <laughs> I tried a little something different. Uh, used a yellow squash in my uh, squash uh, pasta this uh, weekend, so it turned out good. A little bit of a different flavor to it. Well, you know, yellow squash traditionally here in Mississippi, Kevin, is one of the ones that, you know, you would normally find in gardens, grown in backyards. And we grew up on that. It's nothing like a little yellow squash and some onions. Mm -hmm. And some people would scramble egg in it a little bit. But just a wonderful squash to have. Also, I, I'm afraid that um, my T-fall uh, uh, skillet that, that I have um, had for a while, but I think it's finally losing its uh, no stick because uh, uh, the night before I had uh, cooked a pork chop and I had put uh, some um, had marinated it in Italian dressing uh, and then uh, put some um, panko breadcrumbs and some Parmesan cheese and use that as the coating, but. Um, as I flipped it over to cook on the second side, when I pulled it out of the pan, all of the, the, the layer of coating just 
pulled completely off? Well, a lot of times, Kevin, the reason that happens, of course, you know, I'm a cast iron skillet, you know, person. I just believe in having that. But when you buy those, especially the tea pan that you're talking about, believe it or not, what happens is, you know, you wash it and you're trying to scrub all that extra stuff out. So here's a secret for everybody that's listening. I know this is going to sound really crazy, but if you'll simply take a little bit of hand sanitizer and squirt it down in there and let it sit for a few minutes and then take a cloth and wipe it out, 99% of that stuff will just come right off so that you don't lose that beautiful coating that you're looking for when you cook. Uh, And one tip that I've learned from uh, the Blue Apron and the Home Fresh uh, folks of the world is uh, to put some olive oil uh, just a little little bit of olive oil in the pan, even though it's a non-stick pan, and that that seems to help. And I think, I think I think my stove is not level because every time I do that, all the oil kind of seeps to one side of the pan. So I have a feeling that uh, the pork chop wasn't really in the, the part of the pan that had the oil in it. But I was able to pull the um, the coating off, so I just you know ate that. So. <laughs> So, wait, you ate the coating? Well, I mean, I had it, so it was like, I mean, I ate it with the rest of the pork chop, so it was like it was... Oh, I see what you're saying, the crumbs and stuff that were left on. Gotcha, gotcha. But uh, I will say that's the other thing, those uh, panko breadcrumbs, they do make a nice little uh, bread uh, coating for it, and I like doing that for both chicken or pork chops, is, you know, you coat it and then... Uh, you can cook it in the on the uh, stovetop there. That took about 15 minutes and turned out really well, other than the fact that it fell apart. I like it because you know, it makes such a pretty presentation, Kevin. When, yeah, it does. And it tastes yummy. Yeah, and like I said, I've, I've tried other kind of breadcrumbs, but uh, as you say, these uh, really do uh, brown up nicely, so I've enjoyed uh, doing that. <clears throat> so you brought in uh, something very tasty for us this morning. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, this morning, Kevin, I brought in some biscuits, uh, some biscuits from scratch, and uh, they are honey and pecan biscuits, Kevin. And we also brought in a little bit of uh, homemade preserve today, uh, something that I'm working on. It's um, a well, we're going to say it's strawberry and jalapeno pepper blend, but actually it's figs, and we kind of, uh, you know, loved on them a little bit, and, you know, it's just, it really is a nice taste. So how did you enjoy that? It was good. I, it, it, I, I thought it was strawberry because, it, to me, it had that, that kind of a taste to it, so I thought it was really it's very good. magic. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's like when I go to the Chinese buffet. You eat something you like sometimes. You don't really want to know what it is. You just, it tastes good, so no questions asked. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. <laughs> so um, just kind of a normal biscuit, kind of uh, beefed up there? or How did you? It's just a regular um, biscuit, just a simple uh, biscuit uh, recipe. Kevin, you know, it's two cups of flour. You've got a um, half a stick of cold butter that I've shaved in there. And then uh, you've got about a half of a uh, tablespoon of oil that's added into the biscuits. And then the, the trick to really great biscuits, Kevin, is not to over knead them. And, you know, and it's I'm always learning uh life lessons when I'm cooking. But if you need a biscuit too much, it'll get really tough and it won't rise and be really pretty. Well, as I was doing that, the life lesson for me is, you know, you you treat biscuits almost like you do your friendships. You can't overtax people. You can't need it too much. Just enough so that it's beautiful, it's light and fluffy. So so the same thing in love and relationships. You don't want to over need people because you can, you know, make it things really hard for everybody else in the room. So when you're cooking, it's a great way 
way to teach your children life lessons. It's a great way for you to learn wonderful and amazing lessons as you go. It's just easing yourself into this dough, you know. And for me, I like putting my hands on things. You know, some people will use, you know, bread mixers or whatever, but it's putting my fingers in there and touching it, but just very gently folding those things in. Then you've got a cup of buttermilk that goes into that. I added in, um, and it's self-rising flour, of course. And then I added in just a few chopped pecans and a little bit of honey, stirred that in there, mixed up really good, pull those biscuits apart, put them in the pan and put them in the oven about 22 to 25 minutes at uh, 475. Absolutely wonderful. And they were very, uh, very fresh, a little, little hot there, almost burned my mouth, but they were tasty and you really could see the honey. Uh, on the top of the biscuit. So I thought that that added a nice little bit of uh, moisture to it, but also a little bit of sweetness to it as well. Yeah, so I thought it was a nice little treat. Um, I looked a few minutes ago, and I think it's about two biscuits left in the pan, so we did pretty good this morning. <laughs> That's always our, our you know measuring stick, is how long food lasts. <laughs> and usually doesn't make it by, by 9.30, usually. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> so you mentioned uh, recently your, your test kitchen, where you go to kind of experiment and try to come up with some new um, uh, recipes and flavor ideas uh any any news from the test kitchen lately well of course kevin one of the things that we are really trying to perfect is my sweet potato pie i think it's already pretty amazing but we're working on a project so that um we can get this to market and what we want is for that first bite i want people to fall in love and never want to fall out of love with it and we're going to call it honey's mississippi sweet potato pie and it's absolutely wonderful. The other thing, again, is we were working on the jam this weekend, and it, I think it really turned out really, really well. So just kind of playing around and uh, taking some ideas that I already have, and uh, then we're taking it to the next level because what we want to do is always make Mississippi really proud of everything that we do. And I think if you ever needed any tasters, you probably have a, r- a room full of folks here that would, uh, would would be glad to help out Kevin, on that. Kevin, what's really funny is, you know, strangers will knock on my door. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. That is the weirdest thing. It's like people say, oh, my God, you know, she's cooking. And then so I'll invite a friend and then I go, who are these people you brought with you, right? <laughs> That's really funny. But I love it. I love people. I love entertaining. And I love cooking. And I think um, the more I get people the easier it is for me to cook because at the end of the day, what I really want is the relationships. And so if food is the way I get it, I'll take it, Kevin. You know, and um, you let me have one of those sweet potato pies um, and I brought home. And again, to me, it's it's so creamy, uh, but the crust to me is just amazing. So I, I, I you know, it's odd that you would think about that, but that the little things like that can really add to the whole to success and, and how good something tastes. I mean, in addition to, as I said, the creamy filling, that that uh, that crust is just absolutely delicious. Thank you so much. A, a lot of times what happens is, you know, I've watched people eat pies, and what I noticed that they would do is they all, you know, you'll take a few bites, and then you find people will scoop the filling out of the pie. Well, I don't want that. I want you to be able to enjoy every bite of this pie, Kevin, and I think we're really perfecting that, and I'm really excited to see um, you know how this all turns out. We are in the process of uh, doing a fundraiser for the Society of St. Andrews, and I'm really, really excited about that. And this sweet potato pie, we'll get to introduce it to their audience. I'm, you know, really proud of that. 
So any uh, any farmers markets uh, finds lately? Um, the thing that I found lately, Kevin, um, that I think is really interesting is I bought some sweet corn over the weekend. And, uh, of course, one of the things that we're used to doing is taking it, you know, and boiling it and just doing it the old-fashioned way, a little salt and pepper and butter. I love it that way. Uh, but I made a little salsa, and that turned out really well. I uh, took that fresh corn and pulled it off the cob. And, well, you know, old folks that cut it off the cob and uh, seared it up a little bit, roasted it up really well and added in some uh, fresh uh, peppers. And I added in some tomatoes and some onions. Just absolutely a little cilantro, Kevin. Really, really nice bite. Uh, I learned a lesson. I uh, did uh, a Blue Apron a couple of weeks ago and it was uh, had a dish with corn. So, again, it had the, the fresh corn on the cob and I sawed it off of there and I put it in and the, the pan was a little bit too hot so I was it was it wasn't quite popcorn but it was popping corn <laughs> so I learned to make sure when you have the fresh corn like that that you maybe damp, dampen down the the, thermo, the thermometer there just a little bit uh, make sure it's not too hot cuz it was jumping all over the pan so wow wow <laughs> the the thing that I normally like to do Kevin um, when I'm cooking uh, sweet corn off the cob is I like to add in just a little bit of cream with that so you can get that really creamy texture with it if you you know if I'm going to serve it that way and I don't know about anybody else out there but my grandmother would add in a little bit of sugar and sometimes she would add in a little bit of flour and cornmeal to give it texture, Kevin, and it's just absolutely fantastic. We need to take a break. When we get back, we're going to welcome Van and Dorothy Killen from Two Dog Farms to the program. Uh, their farm is another example of how Farm to Table is making its mark here in Mississippi. They're going to talk to us about how their community-supported agriculture program uh, provides fresh produce to local plates. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Uh, in studio now with us are Van and Dorothy Killen from Two Dog Farms in Florida. So we're going to talk to them through the rest of the hour. Also, we always want to know what's going on in your kitchen. So give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show food at mpbonline.org. Uh, Deborah, we did get an email uh, during the break. I didn't see what that was, though. So, Well, we have an email here from J-Rod Batiste, and uh, I'm believing this is our friend from Louisiana, Kevin, and they sent his uh, recipe, his wife's favorite recipe, is from Emerald, and it's uh, a recipe that's uh, it's a spaghetti recipe, and it has a little bit of salmon in it and fresh uh, lemon slices and sea salt, and it's uh, a non-stick copper deep dish so mm-hmm. that sounds wonderful it's got some rosemary and garlic and olive oil the whole recipe is not here just a few of the items but we thank you for sending this in if you want to send us the whole recipe i would really appreciate that 
It's food at mpbonline.org. So as I mentioned today, our guests are Van and Dorothy Killen from Two Dog Farms in Florida. Folks, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. And for, let me say this, Kevin. You are absolutely gorgeous, girl. Oh. People can't see her this morning. She's expecting a baby, but she's absolutely beautiful. Thank, Thank you for joining so us much. today. Thank you. So uh, tell us a little bit about your, your background. Where are you all from? Um, the experience in farming and cooking, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is Van here. Uh, yeah, I'm from Cleveland, Mississippi. Um, went to Delta State there and uh, grew up working on a, a row crop farm and always had a passion for, for growing my own food. So um, I got a degree in environmental science and worked at a desk job for several years and decided it wasn't for me. So started a small garden and transformed from there. Now, I absolutely love Cleveland, Mississippi, and the folks there. Um, Pam Chapman uh, is from the Delta, and they call her the Oprah of Mississippi, uh, Kevin. She's very famous. Uh, and she's wait, wait, a, wait. Isn't Oprah from Mississippi? Yes, but they're literally calling her because absolutely. Oprah from the Delta. Okay. <laughs> but they're calling her the Oprah from Mississippi. She's following Oprah's foot uh, tracks, and we're really proud of her. And it's also the home of the Blues Museum. And so it's absolutely wonderful up there. I love uh, Cleveland, Mississippi. And you guys are not too far from, I believe it's Marigold, Mississippi? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. You lived in Marigold. Yeah, I did, for sure. For a little bit. I got family and friends there, so I love the Delta. <laughs> Actually, I will be in Cleveland on Saturday to go to the Grammy Museum. Oh, that's right. I said the Blues yeah. Museum, but you're absolutely right, right. Kevin. Yeah, looking, looking forward to that. Yeah, and, and for those of you who I have not divorced Kevin yet, even though he's traveling all these places without his Monday morning <laughs> wife, I just I don't understand that. <laughs> uh, Dorothy, tell us about your background. Um, well, my grandfather did row cropping and whatnot, and then um, so I grew up around that and then moved out west and did um, sustainable farming out there a little bit and learned and um and loved it and was able to bring it back to mississippi so and met van and he was doing the same thing so it worked out yeah, Fantastic. Yeah. can you tell us a little bit about row cropping and what that may mean for our listeners who don't understand what that is sure. uh, typically row cropping is like soybeans and uh, rice more grain products okay. that are you know sold to a broker and then sent overseas or used processed you know, processed foods, but it's just different from what we're doing now. We're you're actually harvesting fresh produce and consuming it there, and so farm to table. Yeah, love it. Yeah. So, how did the idea to to have two dog farms? Uh, where did that come from? Our dogs, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just wanting to like grow something that you're going to bring home and eat that night. Well, you guys actually brought us a very beautiful box of fresh vegetables that Kevin and I are going to be fighting over later, but it's absolutely gorgeous. I see you've got zucchini and we've got yellow squash and peppers and tomatoes. Yeah, it's going to be a big fight today. Yeah. <laughs> and you, Kevin's stretching, looking in the box no, just, like, yeah, I'm, yeah, okay. There's, um, what, there's, Bag up from the tomatoes. Us, <laughs> we'll look at the experts. Dude. Tell us all, Deborah was right, but there's some things in there that I'm not quite sure Recognize is that an is that an eggplant in there? Yeah, so we have several um, different shapes and varieties of eggplant. Um, and colors. Yeah, colors and purple peppers and orange and red peppers and heirloom tomatoes that are striped with red and yellow. 
And then what's uh, this yellow thing right here? That is called a patty pan squash. Oh, wow. That's, uh, I've never that seen beautiful? that before. Yeah, it's uh, bright yellow, but it's got an interesting shape to it. And it's got a lot of green in there as well. So, But, yeah, that's that's just really an amazing uh, the display of some fresh vegetables there. And I, I'm assuming all that grown at Two Dogs Farms. That's correct. Um, so tell us um, about community-supported agriculture. What What is that concept all about? Um, really, it's just being able to support your local farmer um, and getting the freshest produce that is available in your community, in your area, um, and just really knowing where your food is coming from and, and knowing who grew it, knowing um, that it wasn't, you know, shipped for a week or two across seas or across the states. One of the things that's happening uh, locally across the state, Mississippi, uh, restaurants and restauranteurs are moving uh, back to the revival of farm to table. My very dear friend, Dixie Grind. Hey, girl, because I know you're listening this morning. <laughs> hey, Dixie. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that, um, you know, she really loves doing is having those fresh items on hand. And so her menu is based on whatever the, you know, farmers are bringing in that day. So, you know, when you go in the restaurant that everything you eat is from farm to table literally and restaurants across the state is they're in restauranteurs and chefs are moving back to that and i love it because that's the way we grew up here in mississippi yeah. everybody had a garden in their backyard or you farmed and so you when it was time to eat um somebody had probably shelled some peas early that morning and that's what you were going to have for dinner that night this is Deep Top Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Friends, uh, Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're visiting today with Van and Dorothy Killen, who operate two dog farms in Florida. So we're talking about uh, the idea of farm to table, the, uh, the you know fresh vegetables, being able to get those uh, and uh, use them in, when you cook. Uh, if you have a question for uh, Van and Dorothy this morning, or if you'd like to tell us what's going on in your kitchen, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to food at mpbonline.org. So, how do you decide uh, what that you're going to be growing at your farm? Um, it's just drooling over a seed catalog in all seasons, <laughs> dreaming about what we could grow. Um, that's how it starts, and then you know, based on what we've done in the past, um, how much to plant. Um, but we grow 30, 40 different things a season just to have diversity coming out of the field every week. So it, it's constantly changing. So uh, people aren't getting eggplant every single week. You know, they might skip a week. Or, um, but the spring and fall are probably our most bountiful seasons to grow here. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about the Delta soil? Because I think that's one of the reasons why it's so wonderful to be able to grow things there. Yeah. Um, so floor is know fairly close to the delta but we have good soil there um kind of a light loam on top um with the clay content underneath but um we we started two dog farms started on a pasture and we've just turned that soil into productive vegetable land right now fantastic so between the two dog farm and the floral butcher everybody in floral is really happy So um, do, uh, how do people get the food that you grow there? Do you have a little, like a roadside stand, something, or a shop? How do you go about selling your produce? Um, we sell at farmer's markets, the High Street Farmer's Market downtown on Saturdays. Hey, Frank. Hey, Frank. <laughs> Frank retired. Oh, are yep. you serious? He did, just oh. recently. Wow. Um, but still, hey, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and uh, then we do, do our CSA as well. And uh, restaurants also. I'm glad that you mentioned that, Deborah, because we sell to a lot of restaurants around town. I just think it's a brilliant way for Mississippi to, to be for Mississippi, by Mississippi, taking care of Mississippi mm-hmm. all the time, you know. So it's for me, it's important, you know, to be able to, you know, buy products from people that I know locally, because not only does it help to build great relationships, but you're helping people uh, economically to take care of themselves and families. And then the other thing, I don't know if you guys do this, but um, are you familiar with the Society of St. Andrews at all? One, one of one of the things that they do, Kevin, is they partner with farmers such as yourselves because it's all about not wasting anything. Mm-hmm. And then they take those uh, leftover products and then donate them to churches and communities. So it's like Mississippi is in a constant cycle of taking care of itself. So it's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to continue our discussion with Van and Dorothy Killen from Two Dog Farms in Flora. If you have a question for the farmers or if you want to tell us what's going on in your kitchen, you can give us a call this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 We'll be back with more of the show after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're visiting today with Van and Dorothy Killen from Two Dog Farms in Florida, talking about the idea of farm to table. They grow fresh produce that they sell uh, for folks to eat. Uh, they also uh, sell to restaurants, so it's a, a way to get uh, fresh vegetables to uh, people here in Mississippi. And I, I'll say uh, that uh, you know if you've Nothing against produce that you buy at a grocery store, but there certainly is a difference in, in taste and, and appearance and flavor, that sort of thing, uh, when you get these fresh uh, vegetables. And as we've talked about on the program before, lots of great farmer's markets across Mississippi uh, where folks like Van and Dorothy can uh, sell their produce. And again, it's a chance for you uh, to get some fresh food, but also you know, things uh, that you might not uh, find uh, elsewhere. I, I can't remember the name of the squash, the, the funny-looking one there, but I've never heard of that. But that's something that, you know, I don't think the, the local... I, well, I know I've never seen one in the Kroger, <laughs> so it's it's really an opportunity to expand uh, your flavor profile and, and experiment with some new ingredients and new tastes. Um, so, tell us what what's the food box? Um, basically, it's it's what we harvest on that week is is what the members are getting, um, and we usually have about eight to ten items in the box every week. And, you know, we say it's enough to feed a, a family of two that's going to be cooking their meals at home or a family of four that's, you know, eats out occasionally um, throughout the week. But it's going to provide, you know, should provide enough vegetables. So tell folks how do they become members to, to be able to have these boxes? Uh, we have a website, um, org that they can go to and, and sign up um, to become a member and um, basically invest in the farm and you, you know, in return, you get produce every week. Um, and our fall season starts the second week of October through the second week of December. Fantastic. So now how do they actually pick up these boxes? Do they have to come to the farm or is it shipped to them? How does that work? We do have three different pickup locations um, throughout the week. Tuesdays will be at a local coffee shop in Ridgeland. 
M7. Hey, Bridget. Hey, Moorheads. Hey. We love y'all. <laughs> um, and then Thursday, we'll be at the farm in Flora. And Saturday is at the High Street Farmer's Market. Fantastic. I, I think that's a, that's a clever thing. I know that it's I, uh, it's somewhat similar. We talk about the, the the food that I've done with the Blue Apron, but it's a similar sort of thing. It's giving you fresh uh, fruit, uh, fresh food uh, to be able to prepare. Uh, do you ever send along any kind of recipe ideas, or is that pretty much left up to the folks that get the food? Yeah, we um, well, we always you know want to get a lot of feedback from our um, customers as well, but. I do try to include just a couple recipe links um, on the website whenever we do a blog, and we'll kind of tell everyone what's going on at the farm, what they can expect in their box, and then I'll link a couple recipes as well and try to include as many items that are in the box in the recipe. So Kevin was talking about the difference between buying uh, items from the grocery store versus getting them farm fresh. So is everything at your farm organically raised? Yes, that's our goal every season is, you know, to try to provide the most nutrient-dense food possible. So So what is exactly organic farming? What does that mean exactly? Just using uh, sustainable growing methods um, for fertilizer. We use a organic pelletized chicken manure that's um, processed in Alabama. So we use that um, as most of our uh, fertilizer. And then for pests and disease, there's so many organic sprays out there now that you can use because if you don't if you don't do anything, your crop is going to look really bad. So, we do use organic sprays. Yeah, between the rabbits and the deer and the bugs, uh, <laughs> if you're not using something that yeah. you know, and then you can go wake up in the morning and your garden looks one way, and you can come back in the evening and you go, wait, I thought I had tomatoes out there. What happened? Yeah, right? we we've installed an electric uh, deer fence this year. Just to, they they're always hard on us. Uh, August September when we're putting out little young seedlings, so we. We spent some money and built an electric fence to hope, hopefully prevent any deer damage. Overnight, they just ate a whole row, almost, of Swiss chard. Yeah. We just planted. <laughs> That's when I would call the floor butcher and say, listen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I take it the deer are not picky eaters. I think they'll probably no. <laughs> they'll walk down a whole row and eat the whole thing. <laughs> so what does uh, what do you think uh, being an organic farmer does in terms of the produce and a better taste? It made you mention nutrients. Uh, t- talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, just knowing that it's safe to eat, um, consume, and, uh, you know, it it's pretty. I mean, most of our produce does look good. We harvest it at its, its peak, so it's nice, shiny, look, looks great. It keeps you know, it, the, the being able to do the organic heaven for people who are worried about toxins and you know diseases and that kind of things that are created chemically. It helps to eliminate that whole conversation for you. You were talking about using chicken manure. Growing up as a farmer, my grandfather would have us to pick up uh, solid chips from cows, oh, and then <laughs> yeah, that's a job a girl <laughs> wants to talk about. And we would collect these chips, and uh, then at a certain season, he would turn the ground over and fold these chips back in and then just let the earth rest and it's really a lot of work that goes into farming that people don't really understand you know it's more than just digging out a row it's really caring for the earth and so that you can have these oh and i wish people could really see how beautiful these vegetables are because they are gorgeous yeah the, the colors really are really really vivid um then you mentioned sustainable uh farming practices if you would tell us a little bit about what that means and maybe an example um, I guess the the fertilizer would be an example using sustainable fertilizer that 
Um, if you're using synthetic fertilizers, it's going to give that crop what it needs at that moment, and then it's gone. Um, where more of the the manure-based fertilizers, they last several seasons, um, and they're actually feeding the soil. And you know, you have earthworms and and critters in the soil that are microbes that are helping out. And and for for those people who've never visited a farm, I think you should and just to be able to see the difference though in the ground where farms are using organic materials versus using chemicals over a few years. Yeah. You can physically go out and walk in the ground and look at the difference. You can feel the difference in the texture, even how the dirt feels. So it's really amazing to me to see people with so much passion and giving back to the earth that way. Because we only have one planet and so I'm really right. proud of you guys. But yeah, so the idea then is you're you're not stripping the soil; you're actually uh, refeeding it as in, as you say the fertilizer, uh, the manure, and that sort of thing. So returning uh, the nutrients back to the soil that then you use uh, f- for your next crop of vegetables. Um, on Instagram, you had a video about uh, planting your fall greens a few days ago. Um, how long would would it be before those greens reach someone's table? Um, should be mid September to late September. We should start having greens again, and um, we're very popular for our greens. Um, we get we put signs up on the highway highway 49 and get a lot of calls for for greens during the holiday season so, so you guys cook the greens and i'll make the cornbread oh, huh? that's, <laughs> a plan. that's a plan now, i saw that picture on um on instagram uh what, what what's the name of that machine because i think even dorothy you were like sitting in the in 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 the chair or something like yeah. that talk about that <laughs> um that's called a water wheel planner and it's just an implement that goes behind the tractor um, with fill up with water and tanks, and then it spikes um, through the rows. And you have two, usually two transplanters behind it who are taking turns put, pulling out plants from plugs and popping them in the ground. Fantastic. And, you know, we, we talked about the idea of, of farm to table, and it, it really is. I mean, this is... Uh, once they're ready, your people are getting. I mean, it's 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 no. There's no delay. It's like once the, the the produce is ready to be harvested, it's harvested, and then someone's either getting it maybe through the food box or or coming by the farmers market, that sort of thing. So this is is about as fresh as you can get, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Once uh, produce, typical produce has like a seven day shelf life, so you got seven days to sell it. So. And I guess it's kind of fun to, to be able to see, you know, as, as we mentioned on Instagram and, and know that in, in a couple of weeks that that might be something that would be on your table. And so that's, I think, a, a way to keep folks interested in, I guess, in the whole process. One of the things, too, and he was you said that it takes seven days, you know, it usually lasts about that long. And that's for me, that's huge. I'm going to tell you this. I brought some squash literally, Kevin, over a month ago from the grocery store. And I want to tell you, those squash look just like they did the day I bought them. That's scary to me. Yeah, they because. typically coat the produce in wax that kind of, you know, keeps it longer than it should. <laughs> so when something is fresh and organic, you won't have that buildup of wax and other chemicals used to preserve it for such a long period of time mm-hmm. within a few days. And uh, I think part of the marketing strategy was, is, you know, that uh, women didn't cook as much. They were going to fast foods. And so people were complaining that they were losing money. But at, at, for me, at the end of the day, I think you lose more money when you're eating things that are not really healthy for you oh, over sure. the long period of time, opposed to just spending those few minutes picking fresh foods or stopping by the farmer's market and cooking for your family opposed to buying something that's going to stay there until Christmas. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, with the farmer's market, you just uh, you have an area there and it's it's sort of uh, turned over to you and you can operate it however you'd like to. It's, I guess it's maybe just a rental of a space uh, each each week, each month. How, do, how does that work? It is. It's just um, a booth space, a rental. And so we rent our space weekly um, anytime we're there and then and then whenever we aren't there, you know, obviously we, we're not renting it out. But we will be back at the farmer's market. We're actually on hiatus right now as we get our plants um, in the ground and transitioning. And we will be back in probably October, October. first of October. <laughs> Now, you guys know a very good friend of ours, Lori Rogues. Hey, girls. Hey, hey <laughs> So you guys actually supply her with um, her fresh foods that she does this uh, sweet and saucy with. Sweet and sour. 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 Yes. I'm giving her a new name yes. for her company. She's going to kill me. <laughs> I think she'll like that. <laughs> yes, she's, yes, she's a little sassy for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Is there, do you interact with other farmers at the at the farmers market, is there kind of a, a, an informal community of, of growers in Mississippi? That maybe share secrets and and that sort of thing. Definitely, um, you know the ones that we see at the farmers market. We talk to about you know the weather, of course, and just you know asking how things are working for them. If we see you know they're growing something that we haven't grown before, how's that grow for you? And, um, also, Instagram for you know farmers we don't see in person. There's one in North Mississippi, Native Sun Farms that we follow on Instagram. And another one, Startable, um, that we see their ideas, what they're doing. They see what we're doing and just kind of bond that way, I guess. Good ideas. So um, are, are some things easier to grow than others? Yeah, for sure. Um, um, I'd say like squash is probably the easiest to grow, summer squash. And then some more tricky things are, what would you say? Um, tomatoes can be yeah. Tricky. Tomatoes. Um, we've had a great um, season, our late season tomatoes. Um, just hasn't been very hot. We've had a lot of rain, but typically this time of year, our tomatoes would be split from the heat. You'd see these rings on the top of them that split from the heat, but we're not seeing that right now because yeah. it's 80 degrees outside and it's August. So. But then our melons earlier this year split from yeah. all the rain and, and whatnot. Oh, we had a lot of premature melons and a lot of melons that split and then we had delicious melons yeah. too but wow <laughs> it's, it's been a tricky year it has been um so are people um, i guess the idea of the food box is they they're never know for sure what's in it i mean they know there's going to be fresh produce but uh so it's almost like a a little surprise when they open That's it up right. and see what's in there each christmas week. every week <laughs> <laughs> It's a great way to keep, I guess, the restauranteurs and chefs on their toes, especially when they're planning their menus. But it also provides the clients with these wonderful varieties of what the menu is going to be like, opposed to a restaurant that you know from Monday to Friday it's going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. You get all of these wonderful different varieties based on the season. Yeah, yeah definitely. A lot of our produce is used for specials, um, you know, for the weekend or whatever at some of these restaurants. restaurants. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think the most popular produce that you grow is? Um, probably heirloom tomatoes would probably be the most popular thing that most people want. Absolutely. One of my favorites. I love the taste and the texture and the bite that you get in the heirlooms. They're really nice and firm, mm-hmm. really wonderful, rich, uh, delicious flavor. And you can just really slice them up. You and can. if you, you know, I'm a country girl, Kevin, so you slice them up, put a little salt and pepper on there. And That's if you're right. real bold, you can take a little vinegar and you're good to go. That's all you need. Good to go. 
<laughs> now, I know, um, I'm sorry to jump in here, Kevin, that y'all were talking about the heirloom tomatoes being uh, real popular. But on your like on your Facebook, it was like six or seven pictures of your uh, jalapeno peppers. Because even one of my places I like to go, uh, Finian's, uh, had those beer-battered um, jalapeno poppers or peppers. Uh, Shishito peppers. Yeah, Shish- Shish- yeah, I, Shishito. Did, I, did, I didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> say, it, say it three times fast. Shishito, <laughs> Shishito, Shishito. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it made you, you kind of want to just grab the, grab the screen, uh, those, those peppers. Talk about those a little bit. Those are uh, they're very thin-walled, sweet pepper uh, Japanese variety that... Um, chefs love. Um, you can blister them um, real lightly, put some sea salt on them, or, or fry them like Finians did. But um, probably one of the most popular peppers we grow. Delicious. Yeah. And we have you have some in the box here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion. We're visiting today with Van and Dorothy Killen. They are from Two Dog Farms in Florida. We've been talking about the concept of farm to table and providing a fresh produce for people in Mississippi, both people who uh, cook in their own kitchens and also restaurants in the area. We'll be back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're visiting today with Van and Dorothy Killen, who operate two dog farms in Florida. They provide fresh produce to a lot of restaurants in the area and to uh, folks who use it in their own kitchens as well. They talked about their food box uh, program that they have, uh, that if you sign up on their website, uh, you can get a fresh box of produce uh, each week. Uh, it's something different. And uh, Van, I think you were saying enough uh, enough for... Uh, two or or even a larger family enough for four for vegetables probably for about a week or so. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, remind us if uh, folks are interested in that or if they just want to find out more information about you and Two Dog Farms, uh, the website, that sort of thing. It's Two Dog Farms with an S on the end of farms dot O-R-G. All right. Um, and we do a weekly blog during the um, growing season, during the CSA season, so give them ideas and you know provide pictures of what's going on. They get a visual of what we're doing out there. So, so for you guys who want to know, I just took a bite of these peppers, and they are absolutely fantastic. I think I freaked Kevin out a little bit because I just <laughs> grabbed it out of the box and bit it. But one of the things that I was sharing, Kevin, that I do, uh, you know, as a as a cook, is I always want to taste whatever the produce is because it gives me an idea of what my recipe may be, you know, for that individual thing. But these peppers are absolutely wonderful. Very little heat at, or if not at all, it's more of a sweet pepper. Absolutely perfect for. Um, uh, battering up and frying and maybe doing something yummy on the inside. So, yeah. wonderful bite. Uh, I don't know no faxes, but how long has Two Dog Farms been around? This is our fourth growing season. Okay. So fourth year. You uh, guys are a baby, for real. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, how many people work on the farm? Uh, Dorothy and I plus three employees. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, and then think that was interesting. I think uh, Dorothy was mentioning the the melons and that sort of thing. And I guess one of the challenges, and maybe some of the times the stress of of being a farmer, is you're never sure exactly 
how things are going to go and you've got to kind of you plant and you hope that the weather's good that sort of thing that's right are there always contingency plans so if something doesn't do as well maybe there's something else <laughs> to replace it with lots of prayer yeah. <laughs> um, yeah mother nature she's our boss ultimately um what's our backup <laughs> yeah i mean we, we plant a lot of extra just in case and we yeah. constantly have plants ready to go if you know if need be or you know God willing, everything works, you know. Um, what about bees? Are bees uh, involved in in your farming? <laughs> yes, we actually have um, Mississippi bees. Um, he has 20, roughly 20-ish hives out on the farm, I think. Um, and they definitely help contribute to pollination and, and whatnot. And we always try to leave things that have um, bolted or gone to flower out there for the bees. Um, as well. Yeah, so. you can go out there in the mornings. We pick squash blossoms for restaurants that they stuff and, and sell, but you go out there in the morning and the honeybees and bumblebees are just all over the squash blossoms, and you'll pick a squash blossoms, and, and you can hear it, you know, the bee humming in there. You have to let him out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so something really funny, Kevin, you know, uh, speaking of uh, honeybees, you know, of course we all know that the honeybees uh, are in a struggle right now, and so it's really important to be able to plant organic things because bees are so much smarter than human beings some things that they're not going to eat and chemicals is one of them over a period of time they're not interested in having things that are not organically made and so it's important whether you're planting a pot of flowers on your front porch or just having a pot garden to plant naturally organic things so again we can help take care of the earth and it can stay in its natural rotation absolutely And I guess you don't really have to teach the bees how to do that. They're, they just do do the, do it naturally. <laughs> they do a good job. Yeah, you can walk by some days, and it's just like a straight line, you know, going down to the squash or going to the melons. They know what to do. Yeah. Talk about the. I, I would imagine that that your people who enjoy the work of farming, that mean being on with the land, working with the land. If you would maybe talk a little bit about what it's like to to grow food. Um, rewarding, I would say, um, and definitely very hard. Um, <laughs> the Lots hardest. of long hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's de- farming is definitely a job you have to be committed heart and soul yeah. and body with because it's a lot of physical work um, as, mm-hmm. as well as, again, the risk factors of, you know, will Mother Nature cooperate with whatever is there in that season? And so, like you were saying earlier, do I get enough rain for what I'm planting is it going to get too much rain because that will affect a harvest or if it's going to be a drought this summer? Mm-hmm. So, you know, farmers, and especially those uh, here in Mississippi, we really love you and appreciate all of the hard work that you do to make sure folk like me and Kevin <laughs> uh, can have wonderful fresh food to eat. Thank you. Thank you. And you both mentioned, uh, you know, growing up that there you had kind of a background of this. Did, did you ever imagine when you were younger and growing up that, that someday you would be the owners of your own farm? <laughs> no. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Probably running around, I hate farming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My, You know, my grandparents would be up at 5 o'clock in the morning, Kevin. You know, farm life starts early and it ends mm-hmm. late. And yeah. so you get up early and you would be doing stuff. And I, I remember, you know, as a child going to the farm going, oh, my God, I just want to sleep till 7. <laughs> and it was not happening. So uh, give us an idea of, of the process. I mean, obviously, something like this doesn't happen overnight, but it was maybe... Did you start out small and expand and, and realize maybe what the potential was? And, and, and how did Two Dog Farms grow, I guess is what I'm saying. 
um, you know, we started as a small garden, just going to a farmer's market and then, you know, started doing more research and found out about the CSA business model that's out there that's been done in California and the Northeast for years. And so, you know, felt confident in what we were doing. And so we made that step and started advertising, you know, we were taking members to start a CSA and first year i think we did 20 members Mm -hmm. and we had you know we had some rough times there but we got through it and then each year we just grown it and grown it and grown it and um where it is today that we're you know we got 120 150 members a season wow and um and selling to restaurants as well they you know that's really taken off so do you want to share with us some of those local vendors that are restaurants that uh have partnered with you sure um Parlor Market is one of them, um, along with Walkers and um, Kate and Local 463, Derek Derek Emerson's restaurants really support local Mm -hmm. farmers. Manship. And the Manship, Alex Eaton there. Yeah. He's one of our, you know, great restaurants. That would explain why they butter being so good. (laughs) (laughs) Finian's also. Yeah, um, Finian's and Lou's. Lou's, Yeah. There's quite a few around town who promote the farm-to-table. And you can tell when you go into the restaurant and, and eat their food, you can tell the difference. It's not coming out of a can. Absolutely. You know, big Absolutely. Yeah. And again, the the climate and everything of Mississippi, this is really uh, something that we should take advantage of. We've got a unique opportunity here to, to provide this fresh food, and, and it's good to see that more and more uh, chefs uh, are taking advantage of that and really uh, putting some high-quality produce uh, out for people uh, to listen to enjoy uh, when they go eat there. Uh, do, do you work with them, or are they sometimes... Um do they ask for things? Can you can they order things in advance, or at least maybe some? Hey, would you grow some whatever that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. They you know we talk to them prior to the the growing season to get some ideas of what they would want, and we kind of by now we figured out you know most of the main staples they're going to use seasonally, um, cauliflower and broccoli and you know lots of greens and stuff in the in the fall. So and we we do a delivery route um, every Thursday. Um, we basically you know, we take pre-orders and then we also add extras on our truck and we go around and see all the restaurants and go in their kitchens talk to them so it's, it's fun so can you tell folks how to find you on social media sure we are on um, facebook two dog farms and then also instagram two dog farms yep. llc or yeah, llc on llc instagram. two dog farms llc yeah, so again, it would, it would be fun if, if you're involved here to, to get to see uh, the food that you'll be eating as it's being planted on their Instagram account. So uh, thanks for joining us here this morning. That's going to wrap us up for today. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo. So for Deborah Hunter and our guests, Van and Dorothy Killen from Two Dog Farms, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. We'll be back next Monday at 9 for another Deep South Dining. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.